0: Let's go to Matthew chapter 27, Matthew and chapter number 27. Last week, we looked at the last part of chapter 26 where Peter denied Jesus on those three occasions and um, referred to that as the danger of a safe distance from the Lord, the danger of being a safe distance. If you remember that? He followed the Lord afar off. This is where Jesus is about, is being tried and about to be crucified. And Peter loved the Lord. He loved him. He said, I'd die for you, Jesus. I'd die for you. And I, I think full well when he drew that sword in the garden as he was going to defend. It was um, him and the other disciples against all those soldiers. He, he probably thought, okay, I'm going down right here, but I'm going down for him. And uh, he start, started swinging that sword, and the Lord stopped him, and he wasn't going to get too far, anyways, right? But then the Bible says that he followed afar off. And so we, we preached about I'm I mention it again now as we get into our reading today, because uh, I believe there's a contrast between Peter and the man we're going to highlight today, Judas. Peter and Judas. And Peter betrayed the Lord, and he wept bitter tears. Remember that? The danger of, a, of being a safe distance from the Lord. Uh, well, today, uh, a contrast to that would be how that Peter was repentant, and God went on to use him, didn't he? Yes. He did. Aren't you glad that even when you mess up, that you can come and be forgiven and restored? We're going to see that word repent here about Judas, but it's not the same as it was for Peter. Let's read about it now in Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse number one, it says this. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, They led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate the governor. Verse 3, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, when he saw that Jesus was condemned, in other words, sentenced, when he saw that Jesus was sentenced or condemned to death, Look what it says about Judas, please. It said that Judas repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned in that I betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to it, to that. Verse 5 tells us that he, Judas, cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. We'll read through verse number 14. It says, and the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. That's really hypocritical of them. They took it out to pay Judas from the treasury, but they said, "Uh, we've got standards here. (laughs) Verse seven. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Foreigners. Verse eight. Wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Verse nine. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy The prophet, or Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. And Jesus stood before the governor. This would be Pilate. And the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, so here they are again making their case before Pilate, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him, To never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now we'll stop there because it really gets into the section about Barabbas. And I'd like to just preach that all by itself, about Barabbas, and how that he was a prisoner, uh, guilty of insurrection, guilty of rebellion against Rome, and was sentenced to die, but Jesus took his place, the greatest substitute ever. He's your substitute too. So this morning though, focusing on Judas, but not just Judas, if you'd allow, I'd like also to draw into consideration the chief priest and elders, as well as Pilate, because he was there and had interaction with Jesus. So last week, as I mentioned, the danger of uh, being a safe distance from the Lord, today, this morning, I'd like for you to consider this, would you please? Close and yet eternally separated. Judas was, wasn't he? Close, very close. Close, and yet eternally separated from God. Close, and yet eternally separated. Consider this subtitle with me, if you would, please. The danger of being in church, but not in Christ. The danger of being in church, but not in Christ. There's a difference. There's a difference. I'm not here to make anybody doubt their salvation. If you're genuinely saved, you ought to thank God and rejoice in your salvation. But just because you're in church today does not mean that you're in Christ. and You really need to consider that. Because Judas was in church for three years, but he wasn't in Christ. I'd like to pray one more time. Father, maybe somebody here that's lost and needs salvation. We've already prayed. I'm praying again that you'd help them to come to faith, that you'd help them to truly repent, placing faith in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and His finished work at Calvary and His resurrection, that verified who he was. Lord, I'll need your help to try to make this plain and clear and make the application. Lord, only you can draw the sinner to be saved. Lord, I know that it is your will that all would be saved. You didn't die for just a small group. You died for all, and therefore all can be saved. So thank you for that great, great Bible truth. Look forward to preaching it today. Please help in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Yesterday, I accidentally left my keys at the house. Um, and um, so I've got a fob, you know, for the vehicle I'm driving so I could, I could get here. I didn't need, need my keys. I keep it separate I don't like a lot of stuff in my pocket. Do you? <clears throat> but I like my keys in my pocket. I need my keys. I got here and reached for my pocket. And thought, and oh, This is embarrassing. <laughs> this is not good. And it's embarrassing all at the same time. I was supposed to have a staff meeting at eight o'clock at work, you know, this week, getting ready for that staff meeting along the way. And then especially on Friday afternoon. And, and so anyways, um, had my notes there on my desk, ready to get those and go into the staff meeting get ready for things coming up, you know, this, this fall and kind of talking through things. And I could not get in the office. I checked the door of course, and it was locked and went around to the secretary's door and it was locked. And there's one more door, you know, could get into the conference room because other staff was there, but, but I, I checked the other door, but I couldn't get into that one because it was locked. My fob, I had my fob, but it, it didn't work. We locked this place down tighter than Fort Knox. I'll tell you what. I mean, it is. this is one safe and secure church building. I'm just telling you, every door gets locked. And it's, you get in here, you, you may not get far. But anyways, I was able to get in and got the code, you know, to get in the, the sliding doors. and, and uh, But that's as far as I get. Listen, I got close. I got close. My notes were there and had to wing it, though, in the staff meeting Not sure what we got done, but we talked to OU football and that was about it. So anyways, but uh, no, uh, I got close. I was close. I mean, it was right there. I was just right there. But listen, I could not get in because I didn't have the key. This is a pretty sobering passage here today, isn't it? There's no way to make this entertaining. That's not even my job anyways. Um, This is a sobering passage because here's a man that probably even the world has heard about Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, like a Benedict Arnold. I mean, those names nearly synonymous and used as a in terminology, you know, to refer Judas is a Judas. He's a he's a traitor. But I might remind you this morning, for three years, for three years, he went with Jesus everywhere he went. He was with the other disciples. By the way, the church didn't start at Pentecost. The church started with Jesus and his disciples. So I'm not stretching it today to say Judas was in church. He was in that assembly of believers. He was close. We'll get to that a little bit more in the message here today. He's close. And in fact, just just hours prior to the passage that we're considering here today, he was close enough to kiss the Lord Jesus, no doubt there is it is customary in that culture to kiss on the cheek and then kiss maybe even on the other cheek, but, but nonetheless, to be that close, I mean, to kiss, we could even say the very door of heaven because Jesus said, I am the door. He was close, but he did not go in. You say, are you saying that Judas right now is in hell? According to Jesus, yes. How do you know that? Well, even in the upper room, he said that Satan would enter into one of them. And so a a true believer cannot be demonically possessed. Also, Jesus prays in John 17 about the son of perdition, the one that is destined for destruction, for, for, uh, for um, uh, eternal punishment. And it was not because God designed him for that. God does not design anybody for hell. Hell was created for the devil and his angels and and God would save anybody that's here today and, and save you from hell. He does not, he does not, he did not die. Calvinism is false. Let me just go ahead and put that out there one more time. And Calvinism is false. Calvinism teaches that Jesus died only for a certain group, but he didn't die for everybody. No, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever and whosoever certainly means whosoever. And so Jesus died for all. He tasted death for every man. He would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He would want all people to repent. He's not willing that any, that any, including Judas. According to the word of God, Jesus shed his blood even for Judas, his betrayer. He shed his blood for you. If you're here today, and you say, I don't think he can save me. I've done too many things. Oh, listen, he would have saved Judas had Judas come to him. But sadly today, sobering it is to consider, that Judas at this very hour would you please consider with me just a moment at this very hour he is in the literal flames of hell burning. Yes, my friend, I can. I must tell you, and I cannot tell you otherwise, and be true to the Word of God, that, that that there is a heaven and that there is a hell in two literal places, and hell is a place of literal flames. It is not a place of, of your uh, imagination or, or some kind of a metaphorical suffering. It is not annihilation like a person goes in there and then they burn up and then they're done. No, listen, Jesus said about that rich man that went to hell, that in, in hell, he literally lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and he cried out to Lazarus, and he cried out that he might just get a little drop of water because he was in the flames of hell. That's what Jesus said. You say, I don't think you ought to scare people. I don't think you ought to try to scare people into heaven. Hey, listen, our Savior preached about hell. Our Savior warned people about hell because it is a real place. And I realize that that is not popular preaching in today's economy, in today's world. That's all about God is love. And yes, he is a God of love, but he also is a God of wrath and we're sinners. And without him, friend, you're in, a, you're in danger. I would not do my diligence. I would not do my work as a preacher of the gospel. And no Christian would do their work without telling somebody, listen, there is a hell that you need to escape. And there's only one way, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. But thank God today you can be saved. You're in church, but that's not enough. You say, I've been baptized. That's not enough. I'm on my name, Fred, is on a church member's row. A church roll. that's not enough. My daddy was a Baptist preacher. That's not enough. My granddaddy was a Baptist preacher. That's not enough. I was born in America. I'm a Christian. That's not enough. You're not born a Christian. You're born a sinner. You must be born again. But I'm very religious. I know so many scriptures. It does not matter. Nicodemus knew a bunch of scriptures. He was very religious. And yet Jesus said to this religious ruler of the Pharisees, of the elite among the religious group, he said to him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. I say to you today, you must be born again. You can be close. Yet should you die today without Jesus, you die and go to hell. I don't say that with joy. In fact, I say that to cause everyone here to take this very seriously and not to put it off another day and say, well, I'll take care of that later. The Bible says that today's the day of salvation. The Bible says that we're not to boast ourselves of tomorrow because we don't know what another day may bring forth. I'd like to think that you're going to live many years. I'd like to think that I am going to live many years. I kind of like living. I'm kind of partial to it. How about you? Not a thing wrong with wanting to live. God made us to want to live. Hey, I thank God I, I, I eat so I can live. Sometimes I live to eat. Come on, let's just be honest about that too, right? Sure, no, I understand that. But, but listen, and I, I, I run. I'd like to be active because I want to live. But I know someday should Jesus Terry is coming, I'm going to die. And so are you. If I could tell you from the word of God that you can know for sure where you're going to go, would you want to know? I think if you're in your right mind, I think you'd say, yeah, if if the Bible makes it that plain and clear and I can know, then I not just only want to know, I need to know. That's it. That's it. Because Judas was close and he was even involved. We'll come to that in just a moment. But he was yet so far away spiritually. And now he's eternally separated. The Pharisees, they're here. And the the Sadducees and the religious rulers, they were close. I mean, they interacted with him. They were close enough to get in his face. And yet now they're eternally separated unless they, like Nicodemus, repented and came to faith in Christ. Pilate. Pilate was a secular leader. Pilate was was a a Roman governor here, the prefect. He was basically, at at this time, he had one job, just keep everything status quo in Israel. He was indifferent to religious things, but he got drawn into this. And maybe you're here today and you're kind of indifferent. You know, you're here and and I thank God, by the way, you're here. And, And by the way, you're not here by accident. You're here because there's a God in heaven that cares so much about you. And maybe you've been indifferent to the things uh, about God and and that's like something that you're not really interested in. But listen, there's a God in heaven who's interested in you even when you're not interested in him. And you may be indifferent friend, but your indifference will not change the fact that you're headed to either heaven or hell. They came to Pilate and they, they wanted to make their case against Jesus. And, and, and so he's pre- they're presenting this case there. And, and by the way, they, they did what they did during the nighttime. By their own law, they were supposed to pass sentence on a man during the day. That's why they came to, G- came to Pilate in the morning. Because they kind of wanted to go by the law. But then technically, they, could, they would pass sentence on a man on this day. But they had to wait to the next day to crucify him or to see him executed, but they just kind of threw the law out because they didn't have time for all that. Right. <laughs> they wanted Pilate to hurry up, and they, they knew that they did not have the means by which of their own accord to bring Jesus to death. Uh, that was only the prerogative at this time of the Romans. So they had to present the case that Jesus is against Rome. And the way that they chose to do that is to say he claims to be the king of the Jews. And thus, if he's the king of the Jews, then there could be an uprising here. Pilate's in a tough spot because he's got to keep status quo. He's got to be in good cahoots with Emperor Tiberius at this point in time. And at the same time, he's kind of had a rough road with the Jews. We'll come to that next week. Come back next week. Would you do that? Two weeks from now, actually. No, next week. Next week will work. Yeah, let's do next week. Everybody able to be here next week? Let's do next week. Pilate was at this place where, where he, he is being presented. I just thought about it this way. Here he is being presented with Jesus, this insurrection leader. You know, when, when you've seen some of those individuals that are leading rebellions, uh, they're kind of like bold and brazen and, and, and just vocal. Jesus was not playing along with their scheme. Because he's not saying a word. He's not your typical rebel leader. Well, he didn't come to lead a rebellion. John gives us more account of this, we're not going to go into it at this at this time, but but here they are, all these groups that are there, all of them are close. Judas. Just think of this. For 3 years he's seen Jesus heal the blind, the lame, the deaf, The dumb, he has seen Jesus raise people from the dead. He saw him walking on water. He saw him take five little loaves and two fish and make a meal for 5,000 and then again for 4,000. And he ate some of it on the way home. Judas carried a to-go box. Don't you know? How many sermons did Judas hear? He heard, oh my soul, just think about this, dear folks today. He was there to hear firsthand the Sermon on the Mount. Perhaps the greatest message ever preached. I mean, just a powerful message. And Judas was there listening to those messages. He heard message after message. He saw Jesus, and he saw this man coming down through the roof. As the, the press, there were so many people crowded in that service, and that they had to open up the roof and let this lame man down. And Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven you. Rise and walk. And the Pharisees, hey, wait a minute. They said this wait a minute. Only God can forgive sin. Right there. He's God. And he told him to rise and walk. Hey, listen, Judas saw that. Judas heard Jesus teach by the seaside. Jesus, uh, Judas rather heard all these messages and yet he remained in unbelief. He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then when he found out what was to happen to Jesus, that he was uh, to be crucified, the Bible says once he understood that he was condemned and sentenced in that way. Look at verse 3, it says that he repented himself. It's interesting to me that this word repent, which by the way is a Bible word. Anybody that tells you repentance is not necessary is not necessary telling you the truth. We'll get to that at the end of the message. But here it says, interesting, that Judas, it says in verse three, that when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, repented himself. Now, if you study this out, you're going to have to do it on your own if you if you want to, if you're able to, it's not the same word that we see 34 different times for Repentance. This particular word for repentance is only used five times in the New Testament. This particular word. There are two different words used for repentance. And I could give you the Greek term, but I'm not going to. I will give you this part, meta. Meta, like metamorphosis, change. So the word that we know for repentance means a change of mind. That's the word that is used 34 times. A change of mind. This is a change of feelings. It means this is to find this way to feel remorse. So Judas, when he understood what was going to happen to Jesus, can I say it this way? He regretted it. He was in remorse. He regretted it. He felt remorse. He, he had regret as a result of what one has done. To feel sad about it. He, okay. He was sad about it. He was sorry for it. But that's not the same word as is used to say a change of mind that results in a change of action. It's not the same. Change of mind means you've got a different view here. Please, please follow along. Everybody follow along. So here he is, he's got remorse. But repentance, biblically. And Jesus said, except ye likewise repent, ye cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus said repentance is necessary for salvation. So we need to understand what repentance is. A few weeks ago, I think I was preaching on this, and and, and I'm saying to you this, this morning that repentance is the key. And you can be close. You can be close. But you're not going to get in without repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Repentance means that you're going this way, but you turn and you go this way. At that moment of turning, you're putting faith in a different direction. Repentance and faith work so closely together, you can't really separate the two. Although, repentance is that beginning part, and faith is that action part as you put faith in someone else. And so repentance is necessary, but right here, the term means that he felt sorry about it. He regretted it. He had remorse. He was feeling bad for what he did. But I'm telling you today, listen, you can feel bad for something that you've done and yet not repent towards God. Oh, you need to get this this morning. May God help me right now to to help everybody here to understand the difference between feeling bad for something that you've done and repenting in the sense of recognizing not only have I done something bad that I hate, but I am a sinner. That's different. That's different. Okay? You say, I think, preacher, you're going to have to make a little bit more of a case for me here. I, I think it says right here that he repented. But would you listen to this? Look what he says in verse number four. Okay, It says this. He says he's repentant he, in the sense of being remorseful. And he says, I have what? Sinned. Sin. In that I betrayed innocent blood. I betrayed an innocent man. I've messed things up in a real bad way. I'm saying to you this morning that you could, you, could be, you could feel bad for some act that you've done that has messed up your family, that has messed up your life, that has messed up somebody. You could feel bad about that and yet not be repentant in this, recognizing not only have I sinned, but I am a sinner. That's very different. He was close. But he could not get in just acknowledging I've sinned, I've betrayed an innocent man. You can experience remorse and regret without repenting. This morning I'm saying to you on the authority of the word of God and using the example of Judas that you must recognize and agree with God that you are a sinner and there's nothing, dear friend, that you can do to save yourself. Okay, now if you're thinking that way, that's a change of mind. It's not just that I've messed up one time, I've messed up a bunch of times. You know why you've messed up a bunch of times? You know why you've sinned a bunch of times against God? Because you, friend, are a sinner that needs salvation. You don't need reformation. You don't need 12 steps. You don't need to be a member of a church. You don't need to be baptized. Water cannot wash away your sin nature. Listen, the only thing that's going to help you right here is if somebody that's not a sinner is willing to die in your place. If he had been truly repentant, he would have went to Jesus, not to the priests. He did not go to Jesus. I believe if he had wanted to get to Jesus, he could have got to Jesus. Maybe a mute point. I can't, I can't build that case completely. But he went to the chief priest and he went to them and said, listen, I betrayed an innocent man and I don't want your money anymore. Hey, you know what? what he wanted at one time didn't turn out to be what he really needed. You know why? Because sin never delivers on its promise. It can promise pleasure and deliver pain. Every time. How many people have tried to find fulfillment in this life apart from God and to try a bunch of other things only to come up and say, you know what? I'm so empty. And even to take their own life. Famous people. Athletes, celebrities, people who seemingly, they had it all, friend. But if you don't have God, you don't have Jesus, and you don't have life. Judas went to the priest rather than the Savior. He was, had been so close to the Savior, he could have turned to Jesus, and he, could, he would have been his Savior, but he did not. These people didn't care anything about him. They said, listen, that's your problem. Hey, let me tell you something this morning. The world that that seems to promise so much, they don't really care about you, but there's a God in heaven who does genuinely care about you, friend. And he's not gonna just use you and throw you aside like the world will once you run out of your money, once you run out of the good time. Hey, listen, he loves you unconditionally. He doesn't love you because you've got something to offer him. He loves you because of who he is. Further evidence that Judas did not truly repent towards God and place faith in Jesus Christ is his, is his suicide. I'm not saying that today that everybody that commits suicide is, is not born again. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying in the case of Judas, given the rest of Scripture, that it's very plain here, that Judas died without Christ, that he took his own life, and maybe he was so overwhelmed by the guilt, he thought in his mind this is the only way to deal with it. Can I help you here this morning? If you've got suicidal thoughts, listen, suicide taking your life is not the answer to your problems. It will not end everything, dear friend. It will not get back at that person. You will not hurt anybody but yourself more deeply than than yourself, I mean. Hey, listen, suicide is not the answer today. Turn to God. Turn to God. Let God help you, dear friend. He took his own life thinking that death would end his guilt. It did not end his guilt, it only made it permanent. Now there's no hope for relief from the guilt. And now it's intensified. And yet he was so close. Scribes and Pharisees. So close. Pilate. We're going to see that he's going to say, I find no fault in this man. There's nothing, of, nothing to lay to his charge. He's an innocent man. And yet he didn't come to terms with his own guilt. As far as we know, Pilate died without salvation. And yet he interacted with Jesus. He was so close. What I see in the scriptures here today is that Judas' life came to such a tragic ending because he never came to repentance. And your life will end in a tragic ending, I'm not saying some accident, I'm not saying suicide, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying this, if you die without Christ today, that will be tragic, truly tragic. When you have such an opportunity to trust Him as your Savior. But your life will end in a tragic ending if you do not come to repentance. A lack of repentance leaves you with guilt and despair. The only relief is to repent, turning towards God. I've already mentioned the centrality of the message of repentance in the gospel. When Jesus came on the scene, did he not preach? Repent! Repent! Turn to God! John the Baptist, repent! For the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent! Turn to God! Don't trust yourself. That's basically the message of the gospel. You're a sinner. There's nothing you need to do to save yourself. Stop trying, start trusting. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. He rebuked the cities that did not repent. He talked about the joy in the presence of God. He talked about God's joy, uh, about a, recenter, a sinner rather that would repent. He talked about the 12 disciples and sent them out to preach the message of repentance. It says in Luke 24 that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. On the day of Pentecost, Peter, who had been restored by God, stood and he boldly preached that you've crucified your Lord, but if you repent, repent he'll save you in the place of athens greece as as paul is speaking to those intellectuals there that were into pleasure seeking or stoicism he preached there jesus was crucified and he rose again and now god calls all people to repent Acts 20, 21, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance is the key. You can be in church, but not in Christ. You could be a deacon and not in Christ. You could be a preacher and not in Christ. You can be a church member, but not in Christ. Judas kept the bag. He was the church treasurer. They trusted him. I mean, to tell you, friend, listen, whenever Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, nobody pointed fingers at Judas and said, it's got to be him. Nobody suspected it. Again, I'm not here to cause anybody to, to doubt your salvation, but listen, I am here to cause you to think, have you been born into God's family? Have you trusted Him as your Savior? Or are you just kind of putting this off to another time? Or are you trusting something or someone other than Christ? If so, God's calling to you to repent of that. To agree with God, I'm a sinner and there's nothing I can do to save myself. And today I want to trust Him to be my Savior. All who come to Him, He will receive. But you've got to come with humility. i close with this thought. There was a very religious man that Jesus described. And he stood over there in the temple and he said, God, I thank you that I tithe every week. I thank you that I'm not an adulterer. I'm not, a, not committing sexual sin every week. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not cheating people out of their money. And God, I thank you that I'm not like that publican over there, that tax collector. Thank you I'm not like him. You know, you can always find somebody that you think in your mind you're better than they are. I thank you, God, I'm not like him. This tax collector over here knew he was a sinner. The Bible says that he wouldn't even look up to heaven because he was so ashamed of his sin. That's remorse, that's regret, but it's going to repentance. Repentance. Not only does he know that he's done something wrong, he knows that he himself is wrong and there's nothing he can do to fix himself. Did you catch that here this morning? There's nothing you can do to fix yourself. You're not gonna pull yourself up by the bootstraps, friend. Listen, no, you're a sinner in need of a savior and the only thing you can do is turn to him and ask him to save you. And this sinner, he said, the Bible says, Jesus said that he wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he smote his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Which of those two men do you think is going to heaven? The very religious man or the one who knew he was a sinner and nothing he could do to save himself? And Jesus said, I tell you, this man is, listen to this term that Jesus used, justified. He's right with God. You say, no, 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 he's a sinner. I'll tell you, he's a sinner. He cheated me out of my money. No, he's a sinner that's been saved and now is on his way to heaven. Because he's not trusting his religiosity. He's not trusting what he can do, but he's trusting who God is and what God did to save him. And you can do the same today. Close and yet eternally separated. The danger of being in church, but not being in Christ. Would you stand together here today, every head bowed and every eye closed, and let me ask a few questions as we do. How many of you today can raise your hand and say, Preacher, I'm not only in church, I'm in Christ. I've been saved by the grace of God. I know I'm redeemed. I've trusted Him. Would you raise your hand to that if that's you? Praise the Lord. I see hands throughout. Praise God. That means that you responded one day to the gospel. Thank you. You May put your hands down? Is anyone here in the quietness of this moment would say, Preacher, I couldn't raise my hand right there because I know that I'm not saved. I'm in church today, but I'm not in Christ. Would you raise your hand if that's you? I'm not saved. If I died today, I don't know for sure that I'd die and go to heaven, but I'm certainly concerned about it. Anybody like that? While well, I wait just a moment, I'm I'm in church. I'm in a church service, but I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. That I'm in Christ. Anybody like that? While well, I wait just a moment, look around the auditorium. Anybody like that? I may be overlooking someone, but that's why we have an invitation. Yes, thank you. I see your hand, sir. Appreciate your honesty. Thank you. you may put your hand down. Anybody else? I'm in church, but I don't. I'm I'm concerned. I'm not in Christ. I don't know for sure that I'd go to heaven. I'm very concerned about that. The Bible says that all is sin and comes short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, separation from God. But thank God the Bible also says this, that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says that God committed His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that if You would call upon him. The Bible also says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to invite you. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And if you raise your hand, I encourage you to step out to the closest aisle and make your way down here to the front where somebody could take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure. What I just explained to you, they'll take a little bit more time with you and give you the opportunity to call on him to be your Savior. If you raise your hand or if I overlooked you, and you or you didn't raise your hand, you're invited to come or find someone close by and say, hey, would you help me here? If you are a believer, maybe you came with someone, they'd be glad to help you or get you to someone that can help you. Know that for sure. Father in heaven, thank you for caring about us as sinners. Thank you for loving us, Lord. And I pray for those that raise their hand pray for the individual that raised raised his hand i pray for anybody else that i've overlooked god i know you know the hearts of men and you know what it is to be in church but not in christ oh would you help with eternity in view dear god would you help here this morning help us not to push it off to another time help lord each one to consider where they stand with you and to trust you as their savior in jesus name amen